Okay, good morning and a good yontif. Hey, Tavis. So I'll dedicate a few words here to uh, this day. Tonight also we have a Fabrengen here, as you probably all were notified. I think 8 p.m. Okay, so um, every year this question comes up again and again. And I hear it both from insiders and outsiders. What's the significance of this day? And um, even hardcore Lubavitchers, whatever that means, but sometimes have difficulty explaining, like, why is this a Yom Tif? Why do we celebrate year after year? Even if that first year, Tav Shemem Zayin, 36 years ago, it was significant because a court case was won and we saw the Rebbe's palpable aggravation and then, of course, uh, relief and simcha. Okay, that was a one-time thing. But what, what makes this into a permanent annual uh, holiday? Yutas Kislev, we know, was not just about al Rebbe going being imprisoned and then being released. Because that too, if it was just that, it would be a, an individual thing, and maybe for Chassidim. But, but, but uh, Yom Tzitzkislev is called Rosh Hashan of Chassidus. It's called Zayah Yem Tchilas Masecha. Considered the Chag HaGeula, the beginning of Yefutz Maynasecha Chutzah, because the imprisonment was just how it was Lamata down below, but in truth is there was a challenge in heaven to the very method that the Altareb was using to spreading Teda, Chabad, and then when Yutas Kislev happened, that vindicated. So it's a far more than a, just a one-time event. This became forever a Rosh Hashanah Chassidus. But how do you explain that in the context of Hey Tevis? And I find that um, many, and I challenge even you, everyone here and everyone listening, if you had to explain this to um, someone you meet in the street who doesn't know anything about Chabad or about the Rebbe or about Chassidus, how would you explain why is Hei such a significant day? I assure you that many will have difficulties explaining it because many of us don't understand it ourselves. For some, it sounds like somewhat of a family feud even, that the Rebbe had a nephew, Barry Garari, who stole books, feeling that it's his own private property, being a Yiddish an heir, a grandson of Friedrich Rebbe. The Rebbe opposed that, and the Rebbe won. But that makes it a very personal thing. And to be perfectly blunt, many people have asked me, so that's what, the, that's what we're celebrating, that the Rebbe won over his family member, a nephew, that the Rebbe was victorious. Obviously, it's a lot more than that. It's far beyond that. Because then again, it wouldn't be just a permanent thing, just because there's a different, there's a disagreement in a family, I'm turn it into Yontif. And we all know that it was not exactly easy as well. It was a lot of, as I mentioned, aggravation. So each of you have to do your own soul searching of figuring out how you explain this. I understand when we speak to each other, it's like it's a given. Hey, Tevis, a Yontif, let's celebrate. Fabreng, we know that Rebbe made the Didan Notzach of the Svarim. So you have to buy Svarim and learn in Svarim. That was, of course, 
a big component of it. But that alone tells you more that there's more going on here than meets the eye. Because if it was just, again, a disagreement, why is learning this Fadim so critical? I mean, it, it happened, then it's over, and uh, you know, the aggravation is over. And frankly, why well, shouldn't even want to remember it? it was too, it's too uh, problematic. So that's what I would like to address and answer, try to answer this question. Obviously, I was here in 30, 36 years ago. I was a full-blown adult. <clears throat> I was working the Sikhs of the Rebbe, so I was pretty much in the center of things, as they say. Just Agav happens also to be my birthday. Hey, Tavis, in case you're interested. Um, <clears throat> not that that is the, the key message here. I turned 30 years old that day. And, um, and I remember uh, my mother had called me to wish me Mazel Tov, and we were on the phone around 11 o'clock, in the, 11.30 in the morning. I was sitting in my office at the top of 770, which is uh, the office on the third floor, on the second floor, um, well, two flights up. And uh, it's like the closest office, actually, to the Rebbe's room, to Friedrich Rebbe, with, with our windows right across the Friedrich Rebbe's apartment, and and the Rebbe's and uh, the um, And suddenly, while we're talking, my mother, we both hear that they're singing in the streets. So my mother says to me, uh, are people are celebrating your birthday? I said, I don't think anyone knows it's my birthday. And then we found out that was when the verdict came out, and therefore they were dancing. So, um, I guess we can say. But... Um, getting back to the, to the events of the time, so even then it was not so clear. It was clear that this meant a lot to the Rebbe. And if you hear the Sikhs in Memhei, when it first, the news first broke, and the Fabrengans and Sikhs, the Rebbe spoke, Yud Beis Tammuz and then Tezvav Tammuz, and subsequent to that, that summer, under Pasha Bolok and Pasha Pinchas, unbelievable atheists, no one ever heard such words from the Rebbe talking about really very blunt and a very uh, powerful words about what happened here. And um, so it was very clear that it was significant. But to say that everybody could explain exactly why, no, it was more like the Rebbe felt this was a pier in the malchus and leadership of the Rebbe. Um, but the full gravity and the full understanding of it, I think we can appreciate a lot more today. Well, specifically after Gimel Tammuz, <coughs> which maybe explains also why these events have to happen this way. So there's a note that I have here in front of me that settled from the Rebbe. Here's the Ksavyad, actually. Copy of the Ksavyad. You may have seen it. <coughs> if you want, I can give you a copy afterwards. I can post it. Where the Rebbe, in the process, when he was talking to the lawyers and to the secretaries and to the people involved in the court case, he was explaining what the argument should be. Because look, we have a, a, a real situation here. <coughs> the Friedrich Rebbe was definitely a Rebbe, of course, but he was also a private citizen. He had a family, he had children, he had a place he lived, an apartment, he had, he had possessions, <coughs> he had belongings, whether it's his clothing or his uh, furniture or his books. And it would make sense to anybody that a person passes away, so there's Yarshim. Alpiteira and Alpi secular halacha, meaning I should say Alpiteira and halacha, and and based also on secular law. 
It's a thing called Yerusha. What does a child inherit? Their parents' belongings, money, and so on. And from a, from a parent, from a child who goes to a grandchild. So in concept, you can argue, okay, here's a grandson. Everyone agrees that he was a grandson. No one disagrees with that. So he believes that part of it belongs to him, not all of it, but a partial, especially his mother was alive. And she was the direct daughter of the, of the Friedrich Kareb. So what's the argument against that? <coughs> Again, not because, the, not, we're not talking about Xerah Gazarti because the Rebbe said so. We understand. But you have to also make a case. You're standing in front of a court. You can't just say the Rebbe says this is not right. That's not enough legal grounding. So the Rebbe very much was involved in the whole process of explaining what the reasoning was. And the whole, that whole period of time during the court case, the Rebbe gave instructions. In addition to instructions, he also wrote sometimes notes. This is one of the notes he wrote for the secretaries and for the lawyers to, be, to make part of the case to the court. Now, when you read this settle, when you read this settle, it actually, it's really a deep piece of chsidis. And uh, to be true, uh, truth be told, I think some people at the time wondered, is this something you can present in a Goyish court to a, a judge who's not even Jewish, George, uh, judge, <coughs> judge, judge Sifton? Is this a, a case you can really present? But the Rebbe did write it. And after the fact, we see the significance of this note, among other things as well. So I'm going to base what I'm saying based on this settle, as well as some other uh, important uh, information. The Rebbe also said, Matzai Shabbos, Taruma, when he spoke after the Rebetzin's Histalkus in Memches, um, so one of the things the Rebbe said, that the Rebetzin's words were like a linchpin, a cornerstone of the case. When the Rebetzin was asked, so who at the end, after her long deposition, who did the Svarim belong to? Who did the, the, your father's books belong to? So she answered they, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the Rebbe or to the Chassidim. And she answered, the Rebbe himself belongs to the Chassidim, so the male of the Sfarim also belongs to the Chassidim. Which, if you think of it, is quite a uh, statement. And again, you could say it's a Chassidim but it ends up becoming <coughs> the foundation, in many ways, of what, the, of what Sifton ruled in the case of Haytavis that made the Agudas Chid Chabad victorious over the opposition. So, from these things you see that this is not just a matter of a personal or a, uh, a family thing or a Yerusha thing. There's something far more fundamental here. So here's the, here's the story. Um, Sifton, in his, in his judgment, in his ruling, if you read it closely, he clearly was a brilliant man. And he looked at it from an objective point of view. He's not a chassid, not even Jewish. He's looking at it as a legal, what are the legal facts here? So he states very clearly uh, that the issue here is that until the 20th century, there was no legal question about the relationship, and this is the key, relationship between a Rebbe, his chassidim, and the Rebbe's belongings, like his books, his library, and so on. Why? Because there was fundamental trust, and we're talking about from the time of the Alter Rebbe, Al-Tarebbe and the Chassidim never wrote a contract with each other. There's no legal contract, not a ashtar apialoche, not a legal, not a secular contract. It was a trust, a fundamental trust between Chassidim and the Rebbe and their so-called agreement with each other and it was based on love. 
It wasn't like the Rebbe could demand that the Chassidim love him or give him money or other things. And the other way around as well. They completely trusted and they completely um, gave the Rebbe that authority. Again, not legally. Um, and that was how it went for generation after generation until, this is what he writes, I'm just paraphrasing, that until it came the 20th century approximately, the end of the 19th, with the upheavals, would change the whole dynamics because no longer living in Lubavitch or Lyozhne or Liadi or Shtetlach, where it was all insulated and that trust was the key thing in the relationship. So now the Fidik Rebbe, in his wisdom, anticipating and seeing what's happening, felt the need to establish this in legal terms. And that's why, and that's the question facing the court. What is the legal relationship between a Rebbe, his chassidim, and his books? So one argument goes that the Rebbe is a Rebbe, but he's also a private citizen. So the things that is a private citizen, he owns property, he owns books, he owns other possessions, and therefore the, the, the laws of the land, as I said also, laws of the Torah, apply that some of it should go to his uh, children and grandchildren. It's an uh, inheritance. On the other hand, the argument that, um, that a good Shabbat, the, the plaintiff was making, is that no, the Rebbe bought the books with the money given to him by Chassidim, didn't buy the books for his own private use. It was as a Rebbe of Chassidim. So he's basically the overseer, the administrator, if you wish. I don't remember the words they used exactly. But essentially the caretaker, trusted by the chassidim. So it's not like the Rebbe can take that money and then go ahead and say, okay, I'm giving it to my children. No matter what child, it's not private property. Public property, essentially. Interestingly, Sifton rejects both arguments. Both. He rejects the argument of the of the, this case, the defendant, Bergerari, because he says it's very clear that the Rebbe in his letters and other ways communicated that the books were not just his private property, they were property of Gudisrit Chabad. And he, of course, didn't accept the argument that that letter was, God forbid, um, uh, just the uh, chutz. The Rebbe was just playing games. This is part of what the Rebbe's settled, which we'll soon go review in a moment, is about. So he rejected that argument. On the other hand, he said the Rebbe is not just a caretaker. The Rebbe is totally trusted. If the, if the Chassidim give the Rebbe money, they can't come back and say later, hey, you know what, we don't like how you spent the money and bought the books, and we want you to buy different books, or we want the books back. It's not that way. A caretaker is that way. You hire somebody to, let's say, run a Yakupa, so yeah, he answers to the people who are paying him. A Rebbe was totally trusted, which means once the Rebbe took the money and the Rebbe bought the books, he can do whatever he wants with them. He wants to give them to his children. He can give them to his children. So to say he's just a, peer, a caretaker is also not uh, like an administrator or a CEO, whatever the words you want to use. I don't remember the words Sifton uses. And what's the Sifton then go to? Okay, so then what do we do? If it's not this and it's not that, what's left? What other option is there? So here is where, in some, the Rebetzin's words, and the words in this note you suddenly realize it's power. And it's a power that Mamish, I mean, you could say, I don't call it a miracle in a way, maybe it is a miracle. But it's definitely quite amazing if you think about it because it, didn't, it wouldn't seem like it would be a legal case. A legal case is what I just said. Is it private property or not private property? 
but he was magish, he sensed that you can't just say a Rebbe is a uh, so-called a gizber, you know, it's just overseeing uh, the, the, the public domain of the public library, which means that he doesn't really have any power. It's just he's being trusted by the people. And he goes back to the words of the Rebbe, and what did she say? She added a new thing, that the Rebbe himself belongs to Chassidim. That's a tremendous concept. That's not that he's a caretaker. It means his whole mahus, his whole mitzvah is not himself. He's fundamentally not a private citizen. But not, but on the other hand, he's not just an administrator. He's a Rebbe. And he's completely trusted by the Chassidim. But his whole mahus, his whole being is connected, is, it belongs to the Chassidim. So there's no such thing as private property in the first place. It's not like he said, okay, I took the books and now I'm using it for my own use or I'm using it for chassidim. The whole reason is a Rebbe in the first place is because for chassidim. I mean, I'll just use words in, uh, that the Siftin doesn't use, but there's a concept in Allah called Sibur Enemes. What does that mean? It means that an individual, every person in this world, before Mashiach comes, passes away. And Bemela, what you have is yours while you're alive. Afterwards, it has to go through Yerusha or other ways that is passed on. But a Sibur ain't a mess. Why? Because a Sibur is not made up of one individual. It's a concept that is higher than any individual. And that lives on. Let's just use an example. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu also had children. Imagine his children coming and saying, after the Stalkus of Moshe, hey, you know what? Moshe Kibbal Teda Messinai. Teda Tzivalonu Moshe. We're his children. You want to learn Teda, you have to pay us royalties. A penny every time you have a you, you open up a chumash. We all know that's ludicrous. Why? Because it's not Moshe's teda. It's Abishta's teda. At the same time, Moshe is Abishta's person. Say zichru teda smeisha avdi. It's nikras al shmei. Because Moshe is not a mitzvah for himself. It's not his, his mitzvah and his children are going to take over. The teda that's passed through Moshe is a dovanitzchi, and that ain't a mess. That's not shaykh to a private individual, including Moshe. So essentially what Siftim was ruling is that the Rebbe is like a Moshe Rabbeinu. And just like Teda, which is also Svarim, they not belong to the Rebbe personally, they belong to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe belongs to Chassidim, because Moshe and the Teda all were given to Klal Yisrael. And that can never be transferred to any individual. No one can. It wasn't the Rebbe was claiming, like uh, some people think, that the Svarim belonged to me and not to you. Because the Rebbe on a legal basis is also a Sachakal, a son-in-law. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying from a legal point of view. But it's not about the Rebbe as a son-in-law. We're talking about the Tenu of Lubavitch, that the Rebbe, the Fidik Rebbe, that's why the Rebbe in the Tezvav Tamasicha was so adamant when he said, it's hard even to repeat, basically saying that the Fidik Rebbe passed away in Tavshin Yud, and, uh, and that's that, and it's over. So now we, uh, well, let's, let's distribute and, uh, and separate his... his uh, belongings, his books, and so on. Which means it doesn't live on. And by the Rebbe, the whole thing was that Befeirish lives on. And indeed, if you would argue that Chassidus Chabad, as the Rebbe brought several times, that their taina was that it's not active. Chabad is not active. I mean, it was the, the words were on the goodest Chassidus Chabad. Then, and then absolutely, if that's the case, if Chabad started to stop, God forbid, functioning in Tavshin Yud, and saying suddenly in Tavshin Mem, hey, now you want to have the books, well, where's the Chassidim? That's why by the Rebbe, no, the Chassidim never stopped. And of course, the Rebbe himself is the Rebbe. We're continuing the Tanu of Chabad. That never dies. 
And the whole concept of a Rebbe belongs to Chassidim, so the it all is Nitzchi. So in one summation, you know what Hey Tevis is? The Nitzchi is of a Rebbe. The Nitzchi is of Chassidus. The Nitzchi is of Chassidim. That's what Siftin came to conclude. And that is very unique. You're not going to find, I didn't find anywhere. I don't think there's any court of law or any precedent that an individual on earth should not be considered a private citizen. President of the United States, Lahavdil, as much as he's a president, he also has private property. He's also a personal, he's also a private citizen. But here, this concept, which means that it lives on, and it lives on through the Tnu of Chassidus and Chabad, through the Sfarim, which captured the ideas of Chassidus Chabad, or even if they're not about Chassidus, but it's the Sfarim of the Rebbe that he uses when he looks into the Sfarim to teach and to learn and to fabreng. So all that lives on. That's why in the Sikh of Ayikra, Tov Shemem Zayin, we'll fabreng about this later tonight, more, um, the Rebbe writes there, the Sikh there says very clearly, he brings the story of the Friedrich Rebbe when he was four or five years old. And he talks about that he went to, uh, the, he was playing in the room, the Chedi Yechidus. This is the Friedrich Rebbe tells a story in the first Maimer, Reish is going on Molek, Tof Reish Pei. So this is the first Maimer the Friedrich Rebbe said after the Stalkos, the Hilula of the Rebbe Rahashab. That he was playing in the room, the Chedi Yechidus. He sees, and then he sees his father walking in, the Rebbe Rahashab. And his father's dressed with a kapota, with a gartel, and the ganze levush, as if he was going into Yechidus. And he goes into the room with the same place where the Rebbe Marash would sit. Now we're talking about now four or five years after Mem Gimel, Tafesh Mem Gimel. So we're talking basically Mem Tes or something like Olas, Mem Ches. I think he says four or five years old. And he says he was standing by the table and speaking as if it was Bechaim Chayyusi of the Rebbe Marash, without any shinri. And the Rebbe Fritik Rebbe explains, because Achai of Atzadik is Chaim Nitzchim. And not just him, but his table and his chair and his room, and all his chafetzim, meaning all his belongings, are all nitzchi. And he explains al pichsidus, like the kalim of atzilus. Not just the eris of atzilus, but the kalim of atzilus, is kedusha lezazim im kema. So even the kalim, the very kalim of the Rebbe, are also part of an extension of him. Because you could say the Rebbe's teira continues, the Rebbe's ruchnius, ave, yira, amuna, but his physical svarim, his physical table, no, but it's all came exactly like we speak about the Kaisla Maravi, the Mokam Amigdash. You're not allowed to walk there, even though there's no base Amigdash today, because Kedushalizazim came. You can look at the Maimon, it explains it more in detail. And the Rebbe brings that in Vayikra Memzayan, which is just a few, um, was it Vayikra's Nisan Memzayan? So we're talking about a few months after Hey Tevis. Clearly, he was talking about this in you. So it's the Nitzchias that is the issue at hand. And if you think about it that way, Frankly, it has nothing to do with Barry Gerardi altogether. It could have been anybody. It happened to be him. It wasn't about him, just like the story of Yutas Kisler was not about Avigdir. He was the guy, that, he was the protagonist, the one that mastered the, the, the Al-Tareb. The story is a, is, a, is a much deeper story, both in both Lamaila and Lamata, about the challenge. If this case had not happened, think about it, we would not have a legal precedent. What would happen after Gimel Tamus? We have enough, plenty of disagreements as it is. But hypothetically, this was not resolved. Someone can come after Gimel Thomas. Let's just say, you know what? The Rebbe's library is worth a billion dollars. Why don't we sell the whole thing and give every chassid on earth $100,000? I don't know. I, never, I didn't make the calculations. A nice gift. A million dollars, whatever it is. Could that happen? The answer after Hey Tavis, absolutely not. Before, if there was no Hey Tavis ruling... 
Obviously, I don't think anyone would go ahead and do it. I'm just speaking a hypothetical. But in Indian, this has never been established. And with Sifton's ruling, and that's why the Rebbe writes in the Ha'odah. What does he write in the Ha'odah, in the famous Ha'odah, the Hetevis Ha'odah? That Biyem Zeh established in a federal court that this phone belonged to Agud Chabad. What does that really mean? It means that a Goyesha court, just like we talk about Yutes Kislev, what it would get to us that a Goyesha court accepts that Agud Chabad owns the books? But the same thing the Alter Rebbe writes in his famous letter, that Biyem Zeh Yutes Kislev, the Sari Hamadina and the Goyim recognized the hand of Hashem. So now it's established in Dinah Machus Dinah that a Rebbe belongs to Chsidim and it lives on forever, and that can never be changed. It's Nitzchi, Le'elon Vod. In a court case, in a legal court case, that is Heitavis. And that's why it remains a Yom Tov all the time, because think about it. That was never established till then. Yutes Kislev was what told us, the Geula, that Chsidis is meant to be taught and the, the Altareb was vindicated in Chassidus Chabad, in Yifutzim Anesech Chutzah, in Yad Chassidim Al and we'd be successful, as we have been in the last seven generations. But this establishes the Nitzchis of a Rebbe. So you have to, it, it, you don't need a lot of imagination to think that it was a form of Magdim Refuel Makar, because it happened in Mem Hay, I mean the Psak was in Mem Zayin, the, the, the ruling. It just three, uh, five years later would be Chavzayin Adar, Seven years later would be Gimel Tammuz. And we have today a clear psak, even in a Goyesha court, that a Rebbe is Nitzchi. Why is he Nitzchi? Because he belongs to Chassidim. Mazari b'chaim, afu b'chaim. Not because he's just Nitzchi. That's the word in Ageres HaKedish, Shishtach because a Rebbe's life is not Chaim Psodim, Chaim Ruchni. But that still doesn't answer the question, what about his books? What about his belongings? But when you say that the Rebbe belongs to Chassidim, you're saying that the chassidim live on. And it's not one chassid, two chassid. The concept of chassidim will always live on. And the mele, like the tzibur ain't a mess. And that is a nitzchi. And the sforim are part of that. So the case is a far, far deeper one. Now I can guarantee you that Barry Gerardi, when he took the books, didn't think about this. He wasn't like, I don't think, challenging the nitzchi of a rebbe, at least not consciously. You know? He was, if he needed money, so he went and took some books. But he happened to touch the wrong thing. <laughs> Talking Eitzel HaMelech. Not just books, it's not just his grandfather's books. You're talking about touching the Nitzchias of Chassidus. And I'm not trying to be Melamitzchus or not be Melamitzchus. I don't think this is about him. And I don't think this is about celebrating, the Rebbe was not celebrating the victory over his uh, opponents. That's not the key here. The Rebbe was celebrating the victory of, of Chassidus, of Nitzchias, and so on. So, with that in mind, and I just said it briefly, I'll talk about it more maybe with Fabring tonight. I want to read this note. So, Gvaldi could settle. They can push the learn. It's like a Maimach Siddhis, actually. It's not long, but here's the tzettel. So I'm reading, here's the Lushan of the, of the Rebbe himself. Now, just the context. This was in context because they had found that letter from Marx, who writes um, that, the Friedrich Rebbe writes to him that he wants the books to move, be moved from Europe to America. It's not his books. It's the books of a good Siddhi Chabad. So here you have pretty much a smoking gun absolute evidence that the Friedrich Rebbe is Megala Daite, it's not my books, it's the books of a good Sri Chabad. The other side argued that the Friedrich Rebbe did it to smuggle the books, he'll say whatever it takes. The Rebbe was so furious that he's called it Mamish Amerida B'Malchus, he even used the word Reish Memches on it, because what, you're saying that the Rebbe is not truthful? Chaz to say such thing, and Siftin accepted that, to say the Rebbe would write a letter 
Laudatus, a published letter, that is not what he means. He's just doing it upon him to get the books out is absolutely not right. And therefore that letter became also a part of it. But the letter also tells you, it doesn't say there in the letter that Rebbe belongs to Chassidim, but the same idea, the, 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 the Svarim are not mine, the Svarim are Gudish Chabad, and I represent Gudish Chabad. It's the Chassidim. Similar to what the Rebbe said in Yud Alf Nisan Tov Shemem Hey, when the Rebbe spoke about his birthday. He said, what, everybody's coming to celebrate the birthday of one Yochid? It's like, it's, it's, it's like a Chere Heipacha Bittl, Heipacha Nova. The Rebbe asked that question on a televised Fabreng, Yud Alf Nisan Mem and the Rebbe answered the, the story that he told the story about the Zerov that was hired in a chosh of a town. He was a Balmailas, a Talmud Chochem, every mile, but he was physically a short person. Pasha Begashmis, I could say. Short person. So some of the town people felt, you know, it's very good, you're a great man, but you're standing there, you're so short, it's not like Kovid Ha'ir, Kovid Ha'kehila, Kovid Ha'tzibur. And he answered, the Rebbe told the story, he answered, the mensch is, is clean, but the benkel is grace. The person may be small, but the seat he occupies, his position is big. So the Rebbe said, it's not a celebration of an individual's birthday, it's a celebration of the tenuah that this individual represents. It's mamish, more or less a different aces, but the same techna inyonim. Now, we have no problem that, that, that the Rebbe, as a yochid, we, we, that is the nasi, and we're coming to, and everyone came to celebrate the Rebbe's Yeralfness and birthday. Wasn't a question, but the Rebbe in his emes, he's telling it what the muhus of a Rebbe is. It's not about him. As much as we may honor him, because he is not about himself. Like Siddhis talks about a melech. He read Mitzvah's Mine Melech and Derech Mitzvah What's a melech? His kolinyone is bitl. And it's to bring bitl to the people. That's why Shmuel Hanovi was so against when they didn't want a melech, because they didn't want it for bitl. They wanted it for, for ego purposes, for other things. So here, with this background, let's read the Tzatl now. So the Rebbe is writing this note, number one, to refute the argument that the Friedrich Rebbe would say something not completely MS Chaz And more importantly, the Tzatl gives out a, a bigger, a deeper understanding of what a Rebbe is, which, as I said, is the key to the whole story of Heitavis. This is a Tzatl from the few things that the Rebbe actually wrote. Mamish Ksav Yad Koche. So I'm reading the Tzatl right now. And I'll explain it as uh, the time allows, but you'll see there's a lot to say here. So the Rebbe writes like this, Kibachol Admuri Chabad. So he's talking about right now, he's quoting all the Admuri Chabad. Not just the Friedrich Rebbe, but all the Rebbeim. Hayyusayd Harishan. What's the first foundation of a Rebbe? So the Rebbe, how many often do you get a description of a Rebbe by a Rebbe? So the Rebbe is telling us what a Rebbe is. Bitul Ayesh. That's the Yisrael Arishan, Bittl Hayesh. Bittl. We have to discuss why doesn't he write Bittl B'Mitziyas. If you know Chassidus, Bittl B'Mitziyas seems to be higher. But that's what the Rebbe writes, Bittl Hayesh. Maschil Ba'atzmei, in parentheses. Which means that in other words, Bittl Hayesh, not just to bring Bittl to his people and to everyone he meets, but it starts with himself. Ba'amitis. So by his tradition, bitla yesh maschil ba'atzmei ba'amitis. Period. So bitla yesh ba'amitis means ba'emes. It's not just a uh, superficial thing or chesenius dika thing. It's ba'emes. Continuing on, heyese admur harizes shlichus nafshis. I'm reading from a paper. I just want to compare it to the actual. I know admur harizes 
Shlichusei nafshis v'ikris. So being an Admor, that's his muhus. So this bit layesh is his shlichus nafshis v'ikris. So how do we translate that? His, his, his soulful shlichus and v'ikris underlined is primary shlichus. L'nahlom u'la'edadom v'tedah mitzvahs b'chlal maskil b'amunas Hashem shmiris ha-shochonorach v'chulu. Okay. So he's taking it further. That the Rebbe embodies Bitla Yesh. And being that this is a Shlichus, so what is his role? Is to inspire, to guide, to lead, and to um, motivate. In other words, it's not here to, to like, just, just to compare. He's not a leader. He's not a business leader motivating people to run a business. Or a military leader motivating an army or military. So his Indian is Bitla Yesh, which is Bitla Hashem. So that's what he does. He teaches his people and he guides them and inspires them and motivates them to serve Hashem. Amunus Hashem, Shemiris Hashokan Vachulu. Ula Reisam Dugma Chaya. And to show them a living example, Bezeh. Areisam Dugma Chaya Bezeh. At Kedem Mesiris Nefesh Bepeil. So this takes it even further. To Mesiris Nefesh Bepeil. Underline the pale, which we know the Fidik Rebbe, of course, did. But the Rebbe is speaking again about all the Admurim. So, Mesiris Nefesh Bepeil. So, he, the Fidik Rebbe, is not just teaching them what to do, like he said before, it's not just for the people, it's also himself. To the point of Mesiris Nefesh, Upshita. And it's obvious and Pashit. Upshita. Lishlo Kol Pu'ula. And definitely not to do anything and to negate any action that can suggest a mistake and to be interpreted the opposite, which is clearly indicating that the letter he wrote, the Friedrich Rebbe, and everything he said was Tachlis Emes, because he has to be a Dugma Chaya forbidden Ayesh, so it's not shy that he would do something, God forbid, that can be interpreted, and, and, and he really means something else. Very clear. Then the Rebbe adds the final line, La'achazeh, underlined twice. So in other words, after we've established that the said Harishan, and that's the Shlichus Nafshiz Ve'ikris, La'achazeh, Boyim Chayev Betur Prati. Then comes his life as an individual. So the Rebbe is acknowledging, yes, there is a chayv prati. The Rebbe had his private life. He had a wife, he had children, you know, he had his home, his home, things that he does, like any melech. However, firstly, it comes after the ikir, and even that cannot be a stira. It's also a yisod. Like he said, the yisod adishin, that even his private private life cannot at all affect or compromise the gayer klal betafkidah klali vaikri underline that ikri. That's the tzaddik. So, I my introduction to this note already explained. What you take away from this is not just that the Rebbe is at Yishemes and therefore would never write a letter that would be misleading or 
in some way inaccurate or, or, or just writing it for, for certain people, but it's not really the real truth, that's, that you can't, that's for sure. But the Rebbe is going a lot further here. He's telling us what, the, what, what, the, what he calls the, the nafshis, the shlichus nafshis v'ikris of a, of a Rebbe. Why was this so negated? And I can tell you that when this note was written, and I, I saw it then, some people were wondering, are we supposed to tell this to the judge? In a court, you're going to start explaining bitla yesh, and misis nefesh, and nafshis v'ikris, and, and everything that says here. You can explain that. We see from this, that Rebbe is emes. But you come away seeing here that there's a lot more going on. That Rebbe Kolinyon is bitl. I once heard an expression that the Rebbe, they say the Rebbe said in Yechidus, was the only thing that when he was asked, Pshat and Hemshach Tzadik Dalad, there's a very deep Hemshach from the Friedrich Rebbe where he talks about Dimstein Ruchnis and Gashmis. So there's an expression there that says that Gashmis is Mitsuyuse is not Mitsaratzme, and Mitsuyuse is not Mitsaratzme, and Muhuse is not Mitsaratzme. I think I think that's what he says there. Whereas in um, in Ruchnius, Mitsuyuse is not Mitsaratzme, because the Abishta created Ruchnius too. But Muhuse is Mitsaratzme. I think the Lush is Muhuse. So the Rebbe, what does that mean? What do you mean Muhuse is Mitsaratzme? So the Rebbe has a whole footnote there giving example for Machis Hashekel. Again, this is not for right now. We'll talk about this again tonight. But the Nakuda is that the Rebbe makes a point. And this is the expression I heard, which is unbelievable. Since Ruchni is calling is Bittl, Gashmi is the opposite. The whole Indian of a Geshem is, says, Ani, Ani Po, Ani Ka, I exist. The table, the chair, me, that's what a Geshem is. If it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. So it needs to be Tefus Mokim. I don't just mean take, occupying space and time, but also occupying an ego, an identity. What's Ruchni is the exact opposite. I don't exist. All I am is Botul Hashem, like the difference between Eir and Yesh. Yesh says, I'm here. Eir says, no, I'm only reflecting the Moir. Eir Hashemesh. I'm a light that's carrying the Moir, the sun, into the world. In other words, my job is not me. I'm here to serve something higher than me. Essentially, the concept of Bittl. So the expression I heard was that Rebbe said, Bittl kenish Botulver. That's why Ruchni says, Muhusim Mitzaratzmi. Not Chazrushalm that there's no Ebishter that didn't put it there. Its existence Ebishter created, but its personality is the more bottle it is, the more it exists. Because that's its whole Muhus. In Gashmis, if you're Mavatla Geshem, then it stops existing. You take a piece of uh, an object and you burn it, it's no longer that object. Maybe it changes into another form. But in Ruchni is, Bittl, Kenish Bottlever, and that's why Chassidus says that the Oyer is Me'in HaMoyer. And Kilu Kodma had that only thing is the oil is not the Moir, but the oil has nothing else but the Moir. So, in a way, just as the Abishta, we say the Abishta's ain't soft, that's why Eid ain't soft. And Eid does not mean Eid shell ain't soft, but the Eid itself is ain't soft. Why? Because it doesn't have a Mitzis of its own. If it had a Mitzis of its own, then why would it be ain't soft? But because it has nothing of its own, all it is is like, think of it, Shluchish, Allah, and Kamese. All it is is a Shliach of the Meshalech. So in that context, bitl ken is bottleven. So once you say a Rebbe is bitl, it's nitzchi. Ken is bottleven. There's no such thing as, a, as I said before, tzibur ain't a mess. It lasts, it goes on and on, and especially through his teachings and through the Torah and through the Sfarim. That is one of the nukudas that you could take out from this, uh, tzat, from this note. 
And even his Chayiv Pratin, which, you know, there is an element of that as well. However, that also, the Yisod is that it can be Negei, it can be Astira. You can't say his private possessions is Astira to his Tafkid, his role as a Rebbe. Now, one key final point. So, why, so now you can also understand what the Rebbe made such a Iker. How do you celebrate Taitavis? Yutas Kisiv you celebrate through Fabrengens, but the Fabrengens that we may see in learning Chsidis and Hafatsa Sameyan Schutza. Taitavis, the Rebbe said, was the Dan Notzach Shal Asforim. So therefore, since the Asforim are basically a non Nafshik Sovis Yehovis, an expression of the Rebbe, an extension of the Rebbe, and the Nitzchis of the Rebbe, so the only way to celebrate is how do you celebrate the Nitzchis of the Rebbe? By acting that way. If we sit around and do nothing, what, what does that mean? That was Mamish going against the very essence of, the, of what Heitavis is. Heitavis declares that a Rebbe lives on, and he lives on through his Farim and through his Chassidim, and he belongs to Chassidim, but let's say the Chassidim go to sleep, and the Chassidim are not doing anything. Rachman al-Litzlan, in a way, we are testifying that the Rebbe is not active. In Tovshin Chavov, there's a very powerful Fabreng in Yudshvat, where the Rebbe teaches Amazar Rebbechaim, Afu Bachaim, he said more or less these words, that until Tovshin Yud, the Shver, the Rebbe, the Shver, the Fidika Rebbe, he controlled his destiny. He went where he wanted to go, he said what he wanted to say, he was the, the Rebbe. But after Tovshin Yud, because the Nisham is no longer in the Guf, so now Mazari Bachaim. It's the Zari that determine whether the Rebbe is Hu Bachaim or Chaz B'Shalom, the opposite. So if Chassidim don't do what they have to do in living up to fulfilling the Heros and learning the Teira of the Rebbe, in a way, God forbid, the Hu Bachaim is in question. That's why the Rebbe was so upset. Everybody knows when was, this, when was the base Kislev? What day was it? When the Rebbe came out and the Bochmer Dreinzech and the Rebbe started yelling. It was a base Kislev. Hmm? Yeah. And if you, look, you hear the words, you know, everyone thought of the Rebbe saying a sicha. You know, that we didn't obviously make Hanocha from it. Um, but the Rebbe was basically saying, with Dreinzech and the Gasa, with Tzel the Fliegen, or the Flieglach, you know, counting flies, counting the birds. Shos Nochanan, hours after hours. And crying, the Dan Notzach. The Rebbe says, I'm asking you, this is the Dan Notzach, Dreinzach and the Gas. The whole point is the Nitzchias of a Rebbe and his Chsidim and his Svarim and learning. And he Dreinzach and the Gas. Now, the Rebbe would be upset any day that a Bochet Dreinzach and the Gas and does nothing. You know, there's a story they tell just the Chavusa de Milsa. In Tovshin, uh, probably Tovshin, I don't know what, later years about the Fidi Karebbe, Tovshin Ches, Tovshin Tes. I heard it from one of the Bachim that was there. So the Fidi Kareba was not making many public appearances due to health. So the, the Bachim, especially the Bachim, most Chassidim never saw the Rebbe. Even Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, not everybody can get in. So it was a thing to see the Rebbe. And the Rebbe Fidi Kareba would come out on the porch, you know the porch outside of 770 where they build the sukkah, there's a porch. There's actually a picture, you see the Fidi Kareba sitting there with vines. So he would come out on the porch and the Friedrich Rebbe once said, The Rebbe is not going to get some oxygen, some fresh air, but it's coming to Mezachich to refine the Avir. So one day, the, Rebbe was, the Friedrich Rebbe was out on the porch, and usually it was closed up by vines. 
They so you couldn't see the Rebbe. But the Sohan, for some reason, one of the vines like split, parted, and you could see that Friedrich Rebbe, someone showed me exactly where you could see him from. On Eastern Parkway, you stand like near the Rebbe's library, you know, after 770, on that street, the angle, that angle, you could see the Friedrich Rebbe. So when the word got out, you could see the Rebbe, you could imagine, people started gathering. It wasn't like the numbers we have today. But in Bedford and Dean, the Bochum came running because they heard, you could see the Rebbe. So there's a bunch of group of, I don't know how many, but a bunch of Bochrim and Nanash were standing and watching the Rebbe. You know, they saw the Rebbe. <clears throat> Friedrich Rebbe noticed that they're watching him. So he made with his hand that they should walk by. So they walked through the, through the Chatzar. Those days you can go through the Chatzar to Union Street. So they walked through, and that was that. So they saw the Rebbe, the Rebbe saw them. One Bochrim wanted to see the Rebbe again, Friedrich Rebbe again. So he went around on Kingston Avenue, came back, and went again, second time. Okay. This is right? Anyway, they go back to Yeshiva. The Friedrich Rebbe went back into his, uh, into his house, apartment, and uh, suddenly there's a call from the secretary to the Yeshiva. Friedrich Rebbe is saying, the Rebbe is saying that you should find the Bocha that went the second time and tell him, That's the expression. Why is a Bocha hanging around the streets? No, it was the first time you're here to see the Rebbe is one thing. But the second time is already, you know, it's your own uh, just know that. So the Rebbe would be disturbed any day that a bocher or for that matter anyone. Bittl teire, learning teire, being mitzvahs, doing mitzvahim. But hey tevis, the whole essence of the yontif is to see activity. To see that you're learning, to see that you're doing mitzvahs, that you're living up to the Rebbe's expectations. If you don't do that, the hate Tevis is, is, is like the Rebbe said, a chuch of that's what he said, it's a joke. And the whole hate Tevis loses its purpose. Then it actually, it fulfills what the other side said, that they're not active. Now how much more so is this relevant today? Today when Begashmi's arrived, the Rebbe. So now it's completely totally in us. So the message of hate Tevis is very clear. It's literally about demonstrating in Maisa, Machshava, Dibur, but really in Maisa Bepeil, that the Chassidus, the Rebbe, Chabad, lives on. And lives on not just in concept. Lives on through the Teda, through the Sfarim, through the Bimekayim, the Heiroz, what it says in the Sfarim, in Maisa Bepeil. That's the story of Hei Tevis, at least in brief. I, could say, I, don't, I don't know if I'll say Yeshlem, but Derech I think this is pretty obvious. But obviously there may be others who have different interpretations, but this is the way I understand it and why it's so significant and important to us today. So may we use this day well to the fullest. And, um, and as I said, we'll continue for bringing tonight. Hey, Tavis, 36 years. A good yontif. Everybody have a good day.